Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. I'll read that again. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, for those who, to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Title of my message tonight is "It's All Good." Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that tonight you will fill people with hope and expectation for their future. I thank you and I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. This is one of the most well-known passages of Scripture in the entire Bible. It's written by the Apostle Paul and he's writing to the Romans. And he says to them, We know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. I would imagine that for some of the Romans, they didn't know. That they didn't know that all things work together for good. Why? Because later in Romans we find out that actually, they've, oh, sorry, earlier in Romans we find out that a number of them are going through some tough times. That a number of them are going through trials and tribulations. I don't know about you, but if you're ever going through a trial and tribulation, it's actually hard to know that all things work together for good that for those that love God and according and are called according to His purpose. But the reality is that that is no matter what you're going through, all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. If you're like me, there are times where I think maybe it's some things work together for good. But it doesn't actually say some things. It says all things. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so I want to talk to you tonight about some things that you may not realize work together for good. Some things that even maybe you're going through some of these things, these things can actually work together for good for those that love God and call according to his purpose. That for every single one of us here who love the Lord, God wants you to know it's all good. The first thing that we might not know, we may not realize works together for good is number one, dumb things. What that means is this, that if you're like me, I subconsciously think that all things work together for good as long as I don't stuff up. If I make a mistake, if I do something stupid, then that's not going to work together for good. But it doesn't say all things work together for good as long as you do the right thing all the time. It just says all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. God understands that you're not going to make every decision right. God understands that you're never going to that uh, going to understands that there are times when you are going to make a mistake. He is so gracious that he realizes that, and even your mistakes, God can tur- turn around and work all things together for good. You don't have to be perfect to be someone who fulfills the destiny that God has for your life. You don't have to be perfect and make no mistakes in order for God to do something great with your life. Even if you make some dumb mistakes. If you look at the disciples, there was a guy named Peter. He made some dumb mistakes. In fact, he made one of the worst mistakes you can make. He actually denied Christ three times. He denied that he knows Christ three times. But even after that, God used him. And he became a preacher and one of his first sermons he preached was on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people came to know Christ. If you've made a mistake, it doesn't mean your future is finished. If you've stuffed up, it doesn't mean that God is not going to use you. Even some of our dumb mistakes God can use because he is gracious and he is forgiving and he is powerful and he can turn things around. 
I love the story about the prophet Elisha and he was with a group of men and they were chopping down some trees. And one of the men, he was chopping down a tree with his axe and then the axe head flew off and went bang straight into the middle of the Jordan River. He goes up to Elisha and says to him, Elisha, alas, my Lord, the axe was borrowed. Elisha doesn't say to him, well, that's your fault. You should have secured it properly. You didn't hold it correctly. You weren't listening when we went through the workplace health and safety seminar before we actually went through this project. That is your fault. It's your mistake. I'm not going to help you. That's not what he did. What did he do? He said, where is it? The man showed him the proximate place where the um, axe fell into the river and he chopped off, chopped off a twig, he threw it into the river and the axe head came up. What that means is that even when you make mistakes, even in times when you make errors, God can turn those things around and work all things together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, one of the things that I was a youth pastor for a number of years and one of the things I learned was that one of the topics you really have to cover every year uh, is the topic of relationships and dating uh, and that sort of thing and I've and and you know I've, I've learned like it you know even in early high school uh, that's an issue that you have to uh, discuss I've even learnt with my kids uh, I've got a 12 year old an 11 year old uh, and a six year old and they're all boys and you know they're pretty good looking and um I've even had to learn that even at that age, uh, we need to address some issues. I remember one time, uh, my 11-year-old, oh, he was 10 at the time, he hopped, at the, hopped in the car after school and he said, oh, Dad, another girl at school. She told me she liked me today. And when, I said that, when he said that, my 12-year-old son in the front says, oh, welcome to my world. <laughs> and I'm like, mate, it starts so early. And so it's kind of like if you're a youth pastor for any period of time, you have to have in your repertoire uh, the ability to talk to uh, youth and young adults uh, about relationships. And so I used to have, uh, well, no, you can't say it's rules, you can't make anyone do it, but advice and that sort of thing. And for high schoolers, my advice to them was that they don't date anyone while they're at high school. Uh, reason being is that it's more likely to be a distraction to them than not. And it can, you know, and very often, most of the time, people who date someone at high school don't end up being with them later on. And so many ways it's a bit of a waste of time so I encourage high schoolers not to date anyone but with young adults uh, it's a bit of a different story my only recommendation to young adults uh, is that they don't go out with someone who hasn't been a Christian for at least 12 months and uh, the reason why I say that is because very often, you know, they've got to, um, you know, when someone becomes a Christian, they need to uh, initially have a bit of a foundation in God uh, before they start going out with someone else. And sometimes uh, their spiritual growth can get stunted. And, you know, it was something I needed to say uh, to my young adults in particular because, you know, very often uh, we'd be at church and then a young adult uh, guy would come in and all the single girls would look at him. And in the service, at the end of the time, there'd be an altar call and he'd come up the front and give his life to Christ. And I'd be standing there and I could see the single girls in the rows and they're like... <laughs> and I'd say, hey, hey, girls, steady on. Give him 12 months. No, he's saved now. We can have him. And, um, <laughs> and it's like, no, no, give him time. You know, that's my recommendation. 
Uh, anyway, there was a young lady in our young adults group and she gave her life to, uh, gave her life to Christ and she went to her first small group meeting at somebody's house. Uh, she walked into the small group and there was a group of young adults sitting around and she looked across from her uh, and there was a young man there. And it was almost like heaven opened. Uh, she heard angels. Uh, there was like a light beam from heaven that came upon him. And it was almost like she thought, you know, oh, this is the one for you. Oh, And so she hops in the car afterwards and, and she gets behind the steering wheel and she said, Lord, if you're real, you've got to give me that man. Uh, now, I'll be honest, I actually think it probably was God because uh, without being mean, uh, that guy had struggled to have a girlfriend his whole life. And so I thought, man, God's blessing this guy. And so, uh, and I thought, you know, maybe this could happen. And um, she was the kind of girl, uh, she wasn't, didn't have a whole lot of filters and wasn't real quiet. Uh, and so everybody knew exactly what she was thinking at all times. And it became pretty apparent to everyone in a very short space of time that she had the hots for this guy. And so one day he comes up to me and he says, oh, Pastor Ben, uh, have you heard? Um, such and such, uh, I think she likes me. And I said, I know she likes you. Everyone knows she likes you. She's been telling everybody. He goes, well, uh, I think uh, she could be the one. And I said, well, I think she could be the one too. He goes, well, what do you think I should do? And I said, well, just my advice. Uh, in nine months, <laughs> ask her out. And he goes, Why? And I said, she's just become a Christian, mate. Let her learn to love Jesus before loving you, okay? And so, but, you know, they couldn't kind of help themselves and that sort of thing. And so after a while, they, they started, pretty soon after that, they started dating. Uh, and he came up to me and said, oh, Pastor Ben, just want to let you know we've started dating. I said, okay, mate, no worries. Hope it goes well. And, and then a little while later, they got engaged. Uh, and then she stopped coming to church. Because obviously she had a wedding in 12 months and could never go to church again. Uh, and she's preparing for it. So she stopped coming to church and that sort of thing. And, and I remember at the time, this was in North Queensland, in Mackay, I was youth pastor. I left in the meantime. Uh, and after I left, they got married. A few months after that, I was in our church in Brisbane. And, um, and I turned around and they were there. They were visiting our church. And it was great. So I went up to him afterwards. I said, hey, mate, great to see you. And he grabs me, pulls me over the side. He says, can I talk to you? I said, no worries. Pulls me over the side. He says, Pastor Ben, you were right. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you were right. She's got no interest in the things of God or anything like that. I'm really unhappy. And, I, and you know, we're fighting all the time. I don't think she loves me. And I want to go back home to Mackay and live with my parents. He goes, what do you think I should do? I said, well, suck it up, buddy. <laughs> I said, you're married, mate. You've got to make the most of it. And uh, he didn't uh, listen to my advice and... They broke up and he went back to Mackay and, and really both their lives for a period of time went into a serious tailspin. But I thank God, God gives us second chances. And so a few years after that, he uh, ended up finding a lovely girl and got married and things started going good and what he thought was a dead end for his life ended up just being a detour. All things work together for good. There's some people here, you've made mistakes and the devil's told you, well, sorry, buddy, it's over, it's done, it's finished. And I'm here to let you know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. And God has forgiven you and you're not willing to forgive yourself. And you need to understand something that even if you've made a mistake, that God can turn that thing around. He can make things right and reroute you back onto your destiny. Anyone here who's had satnav understands that sometimes we don't listen appropriately to the satnav, and we take the wrong 
we take the wrong exit or we take the wrong road. The sat-nav doesn't turn to us and say, oh, well, you're on your own now. <laughs> it just starts rerouting us and trying to get us back on track. And there's some people here, God is saying, if you just obey me, you'll get back on track and it's all going to be good. All things work together for good for those that love God and accord according to his purpose. The second thing is this. says all things work together for good. So the second thing that you may not realize can end up being good is actually bad things. That sometimes bad things, tough things, difficult things, God can actually bring good out of them. The, most, the interesting thing here is the bit I reinforced before. It says all things work together for good. It doesn't say that all things you'll experience in life will be good. It doesn't say that you won't have some hard things and some tough things in your life. But it says all things work together for good. What does that mean? When you blend it all together, God can bring something good out of it. Immature Christians don't understand that. An immature Christian has something they didn't expect come in their life in a disappointment and they start thinking it wasn't God or they're out of God's will and they walk away from him. No, no, you just need to understand and hang in there that he can blend that thing together and he can produce good out of it by working that thing together. I had a year, probably in a third year of marriage, where I put on a lot of weight, put on about 10 kilos. And the reason why was basically my wife stopped working. And so because she was stopped working, she's really good at baking, and she was baking every single day. And my wife bakes brownies, she bakes slices, she bakes cake, and because she was bored, she was just doing that every single day. So every day I would come home, and there she would be. And then I can always tell when she's getting prepared to bake because she starts lining up the ingredients on the counter. So she'll bring out the flour, maybe some baking soda, some sugar, some butter, and some, uh, and some cocoa, whatever it is, and she'll start laying it out on the counter. As much as I love it, I wait till she cooks it before I eat it. I don't go up to one, oh, that flour's amazing, and all that bake. Why? Because it's all got to work together in order to produce a product. Some of you have been going through some tough stuff. You need to understand, don't look at that in isolation. God can bring good out of that. He's working it all together for good, for your good, as long as you keep persisting. Sometimes God allows tough things in our life to bring good results. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, it says, we glory in tribulation. What kind of fool glories in tribulation? Because it says we glory in tribulation because tribulation produces perseverance. So if you have a tough time, you're not supposed to quit. You're supposed to keep persevering. And perseverance produces character and character hope and hope doesn't disappoint. So all those things work together. And at the end, it says hope doesn't disappoint. What does that mean? Well, hope so doesn't disappoint is a double negative. Hope appoints. So what that means is this, then you're now ready to handle the divine appointment and the good things that God has for your life. But it starts by persevering through tribulation. Notice this, tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance produces character. Unfortunately, character is not a gift. I wish it was. I wish I could say, Lord, give me character, bam, you've got character. It doesn't work that way. 
If you've ever prayed that prayer and you made a mistake, too late. Maybe that's why you're going through some of the things you're going through right now. But character is produced by persevering under tribulation. I remember one time I was at a, a conference and there was this old man, oh, there was a group of people, pastors praying, but I went up to this old man and, uh, I, and he said to me, what do you want, son? How can I pray for you? And I said, I just want to be like Jesus. And he looked at me and he said, you sure? And I remember thinking to myself, or oh, maybe not. <laughs> but I thought, I can't say that now. I can't deny And I said, yeah, without realising that that character is formed by sometimes through tough times. God can work all things together for good, even some of the bad things. But the awesome thing is this. It doesn't take much for God to take something that's bad and quickly turn it into something that's good. A classic example of this is a guy in the Old Testament named Joseph. Joseph had a long season of bad things happening in his life. First thing that happened was that his brothers beat him up and sold him into slavery. Then after a few years when he was in slavery, he was unjustly accused of committing a crime and was then sent into prison. And then in prison, there were a number of times where he missed opportunities for promotion and he missed all these things going on. And all he did in the meantime was just do the right thing. And you can imagine if you're going through a season like that for a long period of time, you would think, man, it's going to have to take a long time till things start going better in my life. But the Bible says that one day the king had a dream, Pharaoh had a dream, and he, want, and he needed it interpreted, and he heard about Joseph. So he came to the prison, and he went and, he, um, he went and allowed Joseph to interpret his dream. And cut a long story short, Joseph was then taken from the prison to become actually the second most powerful man in the entire country. That was not a gradual progression. That actually happened automatically and very quickly. He went through a whole lot of bad things, and one touch of God's favor, and all of a sudden, God did something good out of it. Some of you may have been going through a tough time for a long time and you're thinking it might take me a long time before good things start happening in my life you need to understand one touch of God's favor one touch of his grace can turn that situation around like never before I heard that in the U.S. as a celebrity chef and what he does is that if he's cooking and he doesn't and he tastes what he's cooking and he doesn't like exactly like what's in there he might add another ingredient and so he'll grab the ingredient and he'll add it to the dish but he's quite um, you know, loud about it. And so when he does it, he'll say, bam. And then he tastes it and say, that's good. Well, I just felt the Holy Spirit say that God's ready to go, bam, with a touch of favor on some of your life. That he's going to release some grace and some favor. And even though you've been through some tough things, God can work it together and produce good things out of it. And some of you have been looking at 2017 with trepidation. The attitude we need to have is an attitude of hope, knowing that God can do great things in our lives and he can work all things together for good for those that love God and are called according to his purpose. The third thing that God can work together for good is meaningless things. It says this, for it says that, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. This is the only proviso in this verse. This is the only caveat. It'll work together for good if you love God. It doesn't say all things work together for good for those that God loves. God loves everyone, but it doesn't say that. It says all things work together for good for those that love God. Now, how do you know if you love God? 
Well, one of the criteria for loving God is actually obedience. What that means is being obedient to him and to his word. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 23, he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So obedience is an evidence of loving God. So what that means is this, if you love God, then you're going to live a life that's seeking to be obedient to God. And knowing God the way I do, there are times when you obey him and you don't even know why you're doing that. That there are times when he will ask you to do something and you do it, but you don't understand or realise why you're actually doing it. And so for a season of time, it might actually seem like what you're doing has no connection with your future and it might look like it's completely meaningless. Jesus says in John uh, chapter 3, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who was born of the Spirit. What that means is that if it's, that's not saying that the, that the Holy Spirit is like a wind. There it's actually saying those who were born of the Spirit are like a wind. And sometimes they don't know where they're going or where they came from. So what that means is there's times in your Christian life when you're obeying God and you end up in situations and you think, I don't even know how I got here. But I've just been obeying God. And in the meantime, there can be times when things can be a little bit meaningless. I love the story in Jeremiah chapter 13 about the prophet Jeremiah. Um, what I'm going to give you is the Ben Nitoko version of this story. And in Jeremiah 13, the prophet Jeremiah, uh, God comes and speaks to Jeremiah and says to him, I want you to go down to the market. So he goes down to the market. And then God says, I want you to buy that pair of Calvin Klein undies. So he buys that underwear and God says, put it on. He puts it on and goes home. A little while later, God says, I want you to take the, I want you to go and walk a few days journey to the river Euphrates. So he walks to the river Euphrates. Then God says, take the jocks off and hide them behind a rock. So he went and hid them behind a rock. And then God says, go home. So he went home. A few weeks later, God says, Jeremiah, go back to the Euphrates. So he goes back to the Euphrates. God says, Jeremiah, grab those undies out from behind the rock. He grabs the undies out from behind the rock. They're soiled, they're tattered and torn. And the Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So a word came to Jeremiah, which ended up shaking the entire nation. But he only got it after a series of meaningless, seemingly meaningless steps of obedience. There are times in our life when we obey him. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. There's times when we obey him and we're not even sure why we're obeying him. But we're doing what he wants us to do. And God can even take those times that don't make sense, that feel like they're meaningless, and work them together for good. I was, um, back in 2005, moved to Brisbane to start a Bible college in Brisbane called Planet Shakers Bible College. And so I went there and, and the church I was a part of uh, was called Metro Church Brisbane, is now called IC Church Brisbane. And uh, one of our, in a number of our campuses, we had to do what's called bump in. So what that means is that we had to, you know, it was a rented facility and on the Sunday we had to set up and we had to bring our sound system and that sort of thing. And all that stuff was kept on this truck. And so at our church, 
um, there was uh, on our church staff, there were a couple of guys, a couple of the pastors and it was that had their truck license. And they were the ones who every week would go and bump in. And, you know, they obviously didn't have a real servant heart because they just started whinging about it all the time. And uh, they were even say at staff meeting, they'd say, listen, I want to bring up an agenda item. I don't understand why all the other staff members don't have their truck license and that sort of thing. And I'm just like, you know, be quiet, you know, get behind me, Satan. You know, I did not come here to drive a truck. I'm a Bible college principal. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. I'm not driving a truck. Anyway, uh, one day, senior pastor says, listen, guys, uh, I've booked everyone. I'm going to book everybody in uh, to get their truck license. And I'm like, no, what? What? Why would I be driving this truck? God has not called me to drive a truck. And so I tried to get out of it, but I didn't. And then after I got my license, I ended up going After I got my truck license, I ended up going, um, where I say, I ended up going on the truck roster for church. And I remember thinking at the time, I remember thinking, why on earth am I doing driving this truck? There were times I had to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, drive the truck and lead the bump in. Then I'd have to preach. Then I'd have to go somewhere else and preach and I'd have to come back, get the truck and bring it home. It was just crazy. And uh, I was just really getting really ticked off. Why am I driving this truck? And then to top it all off, there's a couple of guys on staff who actually didn't get their truck license. And so I was offended. I remember saying, hey, you, I remember saying at staff meeting, you got us our truck license? Why didn't those guys get their truck license? And so I got so sick of it that eventually I, I managed to get off the roster by resigning. So I got, uh, <laughs> well, that's not, that's not why I resigned, but, but that was a pleasant byproduct of resignation. So and I remember thinking to myself, I honestly thought to myself, there was times I'm driving, I'm thinking, this is actually a bit of a waste of my time. Surely someone else could do this. Why am I doing this? When I got off the truck, truck roster, I was like, you know what? It's over. That season is done. Last year, I saw a message on Facebook, a friend of mine, who, and, uh, and he, he runs his company which delivers uh, food to daycare centres. Uh, and he was saying, oh, look, one of our truck drivers is sick. Is, is there anyone that can, you know, do deliveries for us? And I thought, oh, I could do that, drive a delivery van and that sort of thing. I had, the, I had the week off and I thought I could go do that, get a bit of extra spending money, that sort of thing. And so contacted him and said, yeah, I'll come and do it. And when I got there, uh, he goes, oh, I forgot to mention, you need to have a light rigid truck license because the truck you're driving is this particular Isuzu truck. And I went and looked at the truck. It was the exact same truck that I drove for years. And there's times when we, do, when we were doing deliveries, we would have to get into these tight places. And I remember thinking to myself, thank God I know how to drive this truck. And in the end, because they asked me a couple of other times to fill in, the money I made from doing that ended up paying for all of our family's overseas trips last year. What I thought was a pain ended up being a complete blessing. God works all things together for good for those that love God and accord according to His purpose. And there's some people here, you might be in a season of doing something and you don't know why other than you felt the Lord tell you to do it. I'm here to let you know. It may not make sense today. It may not make sense in a couple of years. But one day you'll realise that all things work together for good for those that love God and accord according to His purpose. And the last thing is this. All things work together for good for those that love God and are called 
according to his purpose. When you become a Christian, it's the best thing because when you become a Christian, you get to go to heaven after you die, which is awesome. Settles your eternity. But not only that, your relationship with God starts immediately. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. So I call Christianity the best of both worlds because it settles your eternity and it opens up your destiny. And so God is actively seeking to do things in and through your life that have meaning. And he wants to achieve his purpose in everything that you do. So the fourth thing that works together for good is everything. Everything works together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. God can achieve purpose out of things that you never even realise or expected. He can tie together different seasons of your life and make you realise and think to yourself, I was so glad that I did those things because God has brought good out of it. You know, one of the, there's a number, I was talking to my mum today and and she said to me, she hadn't realised, she read the book of Acts and she's been a Christian a long time, but obviously hadn't read the whole Bible and because so she, she said, oh, read the book. she read the book of Acts and she didn't realise that the Apostle Paul spent a long time in prison. And I said, yeah, he did. He spent a long time in prison. And if you study the life of Paul, he spent a lot of time in prison unjustly. He didn't deserve to go to prison. He was actually unjustly accused or unjustly in prison and he was serving the Lord. You could imagine that you're being in prison unjustly and you're thinking to yourself, mate, What good can come out of this? Paul, in the meantime, while he was in prison, decided that he's going to write a few letters to a few people. So he starts writing letters to individuals and he starts writing letters to different churches whilst he's in prison. And those letters go out and they are messages from him to them and within them are great truths. I am sure that he would not have realised at the time how profound and how long some of those letters lasted that some of our New Testament are actually letters written by the Apostle Paul. Some of these writings have literally touched the lives of billions of people. The letter of Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul when he was written in prison. And he was here he was writing in this situation without realising that God was going to achieve his purpose in the midst of that. I've been a full-time uh, travelling itinerant minister. This is my sixth year coming up. And uh, I've been really blessed because um, I've done almost all of it exclusively in Australia. Uh, I've gone overseas a little bit, but I've only gone overseas because I felt God called me to go to some places. A lot, uh, there are a number of itinerants that have to go overseas regularly in order to be able to finance uh, what God has called them to do. I remember actually being at a pastor's conference and there was a guy there who'd been an itinerant, was now a pastor, and he gets up there and he says, you know, he really values itinerant ministry. And he said this, he said, but that doesn't, uh, he goes, but it's not possible to actually be a full-time itinerant in Australia. I remember when he said that, I thought to myself, that doesn't count. That doesn't, you know, that's not for me. I believe I can be. And I started itinerant a couple of months after that. And in the last, uh, you know, this is my sixth year now, I've been pretty full the entire time. And uh, just been preaching constantly uh, all around Australia. And I've had people come up to me and they've said, Ben, how did you do it? How is it that you've been able to have an itinerant ministry uh, without being particularly famous or being overly self-promoting or anything like that. And I always tell them, 
It's because all the previous seasons of my life started knitting together. My friends when I met, that I met when I was at Bible college, when I didn't even want to go to Bible college, and many, many of them are now pastoring churches and a number of them I preach for every year. Then when I went to Mackay as a youth pastor, not knowing why I was going to North Queensland, and a number of events I do every week are associated with that season. And then the crazy season of actually leaving that and going and starting a Bible college. But if you look at my itinerary, there's all these places that I preach for as a result of having run a Bible college before from past students or churches associated with it. What happened? This season is succeeding because God has knit together every other previous season of my life. God wants you to know that it's all good, that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to His purpose. And some of you here have stepped into 2000, uh, 2017 and you haven't jumped into it, you've more limped into it. And you don't have a hopeful expectation for this year. You're actually feeling a great deal of trepidation. God wants to fill you with hope, with that deep down on the inside of you knowing that regardless of some of the things that are going on, it's all good. It's all good. All things work together for good for those that love God and accord according to His purpose. It's all good. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.